Chapter 76 Humanity Al-Insan In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. Was there not a period of time when humanity was not even worthy of mention? This chapter begins and ends by focusing on its main theme. God's will and purpose for creating humanity and its role and status in the world, from where it originates to where it is going and what tasks it should accomplish while here. For billions of years, humanity was not even mentioned because it had not yet come into existence. This is the time when Earth was devoid of even plant life let alone that of animal or human. Truly, we created humanity from a drop of mingled fluid to test him. We gave him hearing and sight. The verse begins with, Truly we, to draw our attention to the one who created humanity from non-existence and endowed it with various potentialities. Humanity is created from a sperm and an egg, a complex world of mixed potentialities in which the aptitudes of one's parents and even ancestors are embedded. As humans undergo tests and trials, God has blessed them with the faculties of hearing and sight so that they may hear and benefit from others' knowledge and develop sight to gain insight and discernment. Truly, we guided him to the right path, whether he be grateful or ungrateful. Being grateful denotes using one's sight, hearing, intelligence, and other faculties to traverse a path guided by God. And being ungrateful denotes the exact opposite. Humans can be ungrateful by behaving as if they lack the potentiality, ability, and aptitude to acquire God's attributes. Such people are like students who ignore the university's human and capital resources to which they are entitled but prefer to waste their time. The next verse reveals what happens to such people. We have surely prepared for the disbelievers chains, iron collars of slavery, and a blazing fire. Since the disbelievers, kafirun, ignore and waste God's blessings, they will be burdened by chains of attachments, yokes of slavery, and flames of their own self-created fire. These allegorical and metaphorical misfortunes are nothing but the result of their life's actions. People who do not start out on the path of truth are necessarily following and bound by a false one that enslaves them to the self-created shackles and chains that eventually mire them in severe affliction. Turning one's back to God, ethics, and truth, incite hearts 
to desire their opposites. Prophets and messengers are sent to guide people to the truth, to release them from wrong customs, blind imitation, and toxic traditions, and to enable them to cast off superfluous, redundant, and superstitious religiosity. Such yokes drag most people in various wrong directions because they desire fame and power driven by lust and materialism. As for the righteous, they will drink from a cup mixed with camphor. Abrar, meaning virtuous and honest, treat everybody with kindness and justice, even those who do not share their ideology or religion. Abrar's kindness has no limits, for being gracious is in their nature. They impart a pleasant fragrance because they continuously drink from a cup that symbolizes their good deeds. Moreover, its contents are mixed with the aromatic, disinfectant camphor plant that transforms and purifies their essence. The Quran uses such metaphors because drinking alcohol was such a widely and socially acceptable practice that it could only be prohibited gradually. But from where have they filled their cup? A spring from which God's servants drink, making it gush forth abundantly. They fill their cup in the same spring from which God's servants drink. But how did they discover, unearth, and cause this spring to gush forth? They did not accomplish this feat by using drills or similar tools. How did they cause the spring to gush forth? They fulfill their vows and fear a day of widespread woes. The tool they use to reach that spring is being faithful to their commitments. And they give food out of their love for him to the poor, the orphan, and the captive. And despite their own hunger, feeding the poor, orphans, and captives, preferring the needy over themselves, the abrar feed the indigent not because they have leftovers or stale and expired food, but because their hearts are as expansive as the sea as opposed to a narrow and a nearly empty riverbed. But why do they feed the needy if they expect nothing in return? The next verse provides the answer, saying, We feed you only for the sake of God. We seek neither reward nor thanks from you. People usually expect those whom they help to at least be thankful, otherwise, the recipients are considered rude and unworthy of further help. However, the abrar expect no expression of gratitude, admiration, or thanks, for their sole goal is to earn God's pleasure. Truly, we fear from our Lord a grim, calamitous day. As a result of their sincerity, the Quran allegorically asserts that God protected them from their fear of that day. So God has shielded them 
from the woes of that day, bestowed upon them radiance and happiness. God's protection bestowed radiance and happiness upon them and rewarded them for their patience with a garden, Jannah, and silk, Harir. And he rewarded them with heaven and silk because they patiently fought this world's temptations and difficulties. Harir, silk, is often translated as a silk garment. However, as a rule, loftier rewards, Jannah, garden, are not followed by lower ones. Thus, it is justified to take harir from the root ha-ra-ra-hur to free, for freedom from all attachments, worries, habits, and insignificant aspects of life as a far loftier reward. Using metaphorical language, the next verse also describes glimpses of the same garden to indicate heaven's blessings. Reclining therein on couches, feeling neither the heat of the sun nor intense cold. Couches do not refer to actual beds made of metal or wood any more than heat or cold refer to temperature. Reclining implies having supporters and the notions of heat and cold are fundamentally different in this context. That encompasses all existence. Its shade will be close above them, and clusters of fruits hanging low for easy reach. The effective will of heaven's dwellers is conveyed by the easily accessible fruits and the benefits drawn by shade and vessels of silver and goblets of crystal passed around them. Quran figuratively describes these goblets as being made of silver and crystal. However, we should not become so fixated upon its exoteric sense so we ignore its intended esoteric meaning. Crystal clear, made of silver, which they have measured, to the measure of their deeds. Virtuous people determine their vessels due measure. In other words, these vessels are created and measured in proportion to their good deeds. Therein they are served to drink a cup mixed with ginger. This mixture of the energy and heat-producing ginger, contrary to the coldness of camphor, is warm. Once again, note that descriptions of life in heaven are conveyed in such a way that humans can envision them through their own senses and perceptions. From a spring therein, named Selsabil. Selsabil can mean either soft and tender or continuous. The effects of the spring that they cause to come forth, are continually manifested to them. Immortal youths wait upon them. When you see them, you would think they are scattered pearls. To help people comprehend the underlying essence of such terms, 
the Quran once again uses worldly concepts related to humans' life and perceptible things familiar to their senses. And when you look around, you will see bliss and a great kingdom. Their blessed state in God's kingdom is outcome of how they lived their life. They will wear garments of green silk and rich brocade, be adorned with silver bracelets, and their Lord will give them a pure wine to drink. Virtuous people may benefit from this wholesome and purifying wine as follows. While living on earth, they serve themselves. In heaven, they are served by the angels, and at the highest stage of the blessing of heaven, the Lord is their cupbearer. This purifying wine, which neither causes headaches nor alters one's mind, is cited in many verses as the one that everyone competes to drink. It will be said, this is your reward, and your effort has been appreciated. The discussion about heaven and its dwellers concludes here by this message in this verse. Truly, we have sent down the Quran to you, O Prophet, in stages. Inna, nahnu, and na. All plural pronouns are used here to reveal that numerous factors in the divine order effectuated the Qur'an's revelation and descent, among which is the recipient's receptivity and aptitude. So await your Lord's judgment with patience, and do not obey the sinner or the disbeliever among them. The Prophet is instructed to be steadfast on the path of truth, and not to surrender to the disbelievers and egotists' requests, demands, or pressure. Invoke the name of your Lord morning and evening. The verse denotes being cognizant of the perversive effects of his lordship in the world. Prostrate before him, a portion of the night and glorify him at length by night. Prostrating implies being of service and serving God's dominion, and glorify means to declare your Lord free of blemish or deficiency. These people love the fleeting life. They put aside all thoughts of a grave day. Most people are enamored of this ephemeral world and plan to enjoy it as much as they can because they are oblivious or do not think about what lies beyond. But even if a person lives to the ripe old age of 100, that amount of time is merely a fleeting moment compared to eternity. It is we who created them and strengthen their forms. If we will, we can totally replace them with others like them. Their God-bestowed abilities and aptitudes 
have caused such people to become haughty. However, they should not think that they possess real power, for he can replace them whenever he wills. This points to the fact that each generation lives on earth for only a while and then departs. However, some people are too ignorant or stubborn to realize that they should only rely on God's will and power. Truly, this, the Quran, is a reminder. So let him who wills take a path to his Lord. Truth has been revealed, and people are free to embark upon its path or not. Since the Quran is a reminder, those who desire and have the will to do so can find the path to their Lord. The fact that humans are blessed with different potentialities and aptitudes points to the multiplicity of such paths. This should compel people to assess their resources and determine what they can do and how to carve a path to their Lord. But your willing is of no avail until God wills. Truly, God is all-knowing, all-wise. Humans cannot act as they will and desire under all conditions. For example, farmers cannot grow whatever they want because God's will has made the world's regions suitable for various types of crops and dependent upon climate and other factors. Humans' will and insight are circumscribed by God's will and may be executed only within those parameters. He admits whomever he wills into his mercy, but for the wrongdoers he has prepared a painful punishment. Those who conform to God's law and order will be placed within his mercy. However, as noted, God has blessed humanity with free will. And thus, there is no compulsion. But who are the wrongdoers? The beginning verses discuss the divergent paths upon which the grateful and disbelievers embark. The former use their God-given resources as he has prescribed whereas the latter, gafir, spend them in self-centered, unjust manners to cover the truth. And since kufr results in injustice, the concluding verse points to the preordained process he has prepared for them a painful punishment.